Um, I, I was asked, this is a good question, I was asked, um, what about Romans? Because we started that series in Romans, and we, we've gotten just barely past chapter 5. And so here's the answer. And it's, it's not necessarily a godly answer. It might just be my answer because the way I'm wired. Um, but it's just going to be an ongoing series, and we'll be back in Romans as soon as we get done with this one. Just felt like this was a series that we needed to take care of at the beginning of the year. And when this is over, we'll jump back into Romans because it's so good. So we didn't get mad at Romans. We didn't think it wasn't a good book. It's a fantastic letter. Um, how many of you have been challenged so far in that series, just in Romans, yeah? But we're going to start a series uh, just for the first month or so, and we're going to call it Toxins. Here's what I know. A lot of people are detoxing right now. We were just talking about this before church. Um, like, how many of you have just in, the, like, the last week or so of the old year and in the first week of this year, you just don't quite feel yourself? It's just like, I just feel sluggish and blah, 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 blah. That's the reason why people go to gyms in January. That's why they change their diet. It's because we, we don't feel quite right, so we do something to try to feel better, and that's called detox. If you detox, you're not alone. This blew me away. By the year 2026, which is only two years away, the global market for detox products, not including detox from alcohol and drugs. This is just like the juices that we buy, the powders that we mix up. The global market will be $75 billion. So if you feel like, I need to change what I'm eating. I need to do something like a, a cleanse. You're not alone. A lot of people feeling that way right now. $75 billion. And I was doing some research. I hope I'm not all over the place. I hope this makes sense. As I was researching, because I'm not a nutritionist. Is that the word? <laughs> Dietitian. Nutritionist. Um, so I'm, I don't play one on TV. But, I, yeah, I did study, okay, and here's what I found. Please don't throw things at me if you don't agree. It's kind of a scam. Okay, let me read from experts so that you will be mad at them. Thomas Sherman professor of pharmacology at Georgetown University says this, quote, I tell my students that a true detox comes with learning to cook a diet that's rich in whole grains, fruits, vegetables, beans, and lentils, seafoods, and oils. I almost vomited when I said lentils. <laughs> that wasn't in the quote. I added that. Here's the rest of his quote. So he basically, he just said, I tell my students, if you really want to detox, change what you eat. Accompanied by, don't be surprised by this, daily exercise and a good night's sleep. If we did that, we would crash the global detox market that will be $75 billion in two years. Detoxes, I'm quoting another person. Her name is Rachel Hartley. She's a dietitian and nutrition therapist in Columbia, South Carolina. <laughs> Clearly, just you and I. 
It's fine. Whatever. Here's what she said. Detoxes appeal to our natural desire for a fresh, clean start and the desire to undo, her quotes, perceived transgressions. In other words, the desire to, to have a fresh start is in you. That's in us. That's a good thing. The reason we feel it in January is because we eat horribly in the month of December. Right? And so we want to feel better, but we also want to feel like we're punishing ourselves for the bad eating we did in December. So I'm going to make sure I do the thing that I don't like in January to reset. Still, you still good? These are just, they said it, not me. Don't be mad at me. I see how you're looking at me. Like, I'm going to detox you, Paul. Maybe. One last quote from the article that I was reading. It says this, if there is little to no scientific evidence that detox diets work, why then is it still a multi-billion dollar industry? It's slick marketing that preys on our human desire for a quick fix as well as years of ingrained, soul-harming diet culture, which values thinness, appearance, and shape above health and well-being. Oh, I know. You can snap your fingers. It's fine. Some of you are like, what is that about? It's the new clap. It's the new way to say amen. Check this out. The articles that I read over and over again, here's what they said. The, the biggest reason why detox diets are a scam is because, now I'm using the word God created. They didn't have that in there, but I believe in a creator God. I believe that you didn't come from a bunch of sludge that just happened to work its way together accidentally and make you. I mean, some of us look more like accidents than others, but you know what I'm saying. I believe that there's a God of order, a God of intention, and he made us. He shaped us in our mother's wombs. And guess what he put in your body? He created your body to naturally detox. You're like, how, how, do, how do we do that? You poop. You pee. You exhale. And some of us more than others, sweat. I'm healthy, y'all. Come on. Snap some fingers. Like our bodies are created by God to naturally detox the bad stuff. So the best way to detox is to just change what goes in the body to keep the body's detox system working properly. We could stop there, and some of y'all will be healthier physically than you've ever been in your life because you'll just change what you're eating. You don't have to do some diet thing. But I do care about your physical body. I, mean, I do, but I'm more in... I'm more interested in your soul, my soul, our spirits, like our holistic body, right? And so Psalm 126 is the psalm that I'm going to read this morning. 
I want to help you kind of see, like, just let's bring this from the physical into the spiritual. When, when God says in the word that the church is the body of Christ, I think we can learn a lot spiritually about the body by knowing the body, right? So if, if a healthy physical body detoxes the bad out without needing special fads, then I would submit that a healthy spiritual body should be detoxing the bad out without needing special events. I'm not opposed to special events. We will have encounter. We will do all the things, right? Um, I love to go to conferences. I love when, like, God says, go here, this person, that person. I love, there are times where you just have to be in a place, in a room, because God's got something for you there. I'm not opposed to that at all. But, but if we think that somehow we can fill our souls with junk and then have one special moment with God, then we're trying to do spiritually what a whole world is trying to do right now physically, which is make up for a lifetime of horrible habits with one diet. And we do it all the time. Psalm 126. I'm going to read it from the NIV. It says this, When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. And then it was said among the nations, quote, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us, and we are filled with joy. Restore our fortunes, Lord, like streams in the Negev. That was a southern region. Those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. Those who go out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy Carrying sheaves with them. The psalmist mentions joy four times in six verses. I would submit, I would ask this question. Is the body of Christ marked with joy? Anybody in here golf? Raise your hand if you're a golfer. Be proud, y'all. Raise your hand if you went to top golf with me and I beat you. You're like, you're, aren't you, you're a preacher. Why are you lying? <laughs> if you're a golfer, listen, um, if you ever see me golf, I'm not good. But I, I've, got, I've got something in common. Have you heard of a guy named Tiger Woods? Yeah. Um, Tiger Woods, arguably one of, well, he's definitely one of the best golfers we've ever known. He, some people would say he is the best, but I would say probably like Jack Nicklaus. I don't know, but I'm not a big golfer guy, but. Tiger Woods is good, world-class good, and he and I have something in common. We both hit horrible golf shots. We do. I heard an interview with Tiger Woods, and, and he said this, every golfer hits horrible golf shots. The difference between a club amateur golfer and a professional golfer, his words, is how they recover from those bad shots. I was like, that's a good word. Because when I hit a bad shot, and if you played golf with me, you know it happens like on every hole. 
I don't even keep score. I keep track of did I find more balls in the woods than I lost, right? That's a good day for me. I play golf like once every two years. That might be why I'm not good. But if I hit a shot into the woods, that's one shot. It can take me two, three, four, five hundred shots to get out of the woods so I can hit another shot. But y'all, y'all ever watch golf? Like, and some of y'all are like, why would I do that? Because you need a nap, y'all. That's why. Um, if you watch golf, watch a professional golf, men's or women's, doesn't matter. And at some point, they will hit a shot into the woods. And you'll know what happened because all the people, like, they do this. And then they run to the ball and they point at it. It's crazy. And so then, like, they'll get the people out of the way. And the cameraman will get behind the ball and show how, like, you can just see the, the clear shot from the ball on the pine straw to the hole if they can curve it around that tree to the right and that tree to the It's like you look at it and go, how, how in the world? And then they'll hit it and it'll, it'll, get, it'll they'll get out. Like, how did you do that? And Tiger Woods would say, that, that's what separates me from you. Is you and I both could hit the ball there, but I was able to recover. Listen to this quote. This is from a neuroscientist, not from me. How productive you are when you are stuck. Anybody ever feel stuck? How productive you are when you are stuck in one of the six unpleasant emotions hardwired into our brains. So there are emotions hardwired in us. All of us are going to feel these emotions. Here's the six. Fear, anger, disgust, shame, sadness, and hopelessness. Let me just stop the quote for a second. Basically, all the emotions that when you feel them, you feel like a bad Christian or some bad Christian told you that you're a bad Christian. You ever had a Christian shame you for feeling fear? Like they just hit, they gave you two of them in one conversation. Make you feel bad because you don't have hope. What we're learning about how our minds and bodies are created is that, like, that stuff's in us. That's like a natural, normal human emotion that everybody feels. I hit bad shots, and so does Tiger Woods. But listen as they continue. High-performing athletes succeed because they have a quick recovery time. A well-trained brain. Tell the person next to you, I think I have a well-trained brain. <laughs> we fix it to find out, y'all. Listen, a well-trained brain can return to joy in 90 seconds. A less well-trained brain can take hours, days, even weeks. I would submit for some people the rest of their lives. You've had conversations with people. And you walk away from that conversation and you think to yourself, God, they're stuck in high school. They're still mad at the boss that fired them five jobs ago. They hit a bad shot in the woods and they're still in the woods. And I, I, I believe in the power of God. I believe in the power of prayer. I believe that somebody can lay hands on you and in one prayer, in Jesus' name, amen, like clouds can lift. But I'm telling you, if you're putting your, all of your hope 
in having one phenomenal moment with God to get out of that place you've been in. And that's, that's like, let's see how you look in February after that fad diet wore off. You'll never have long-term health with short-term effort. You just got to stay. Psalm 1, the very first psalm, says, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers. Proverbs 13, 20 says, if you walk with the wise, you'll grow wise. And a companion of fools suffers harm. Winnie and I were just talking about this last night because we were watching this show. It's just, I don't even know the name of the show. But basically, it's, it's, it's like, like true, true crime. And they always, like, talk about, like, this person is missing. Something bad happened to this person. And they'll go back and do the whole timeline of their life. And, like, this one that we are watching, literally, like, the people they interviewed said, like, it's almost like something changed in her senior year in high school. And so they showed the pictures of her, like, you know, cute little four-year-old, five-year-old. I'm not trying to trigger anybody. I'm just telling you so you get the point. Like, and then she's like a 13-year-old, and she just has this look. And then in her senior year, all of her picture posts were totally different. So, like, you're just an outsider. Like, you're watching this. You're like, what, what changed? And the only thing that changed was, and this was what they said, the quote was, she just started hanging out with a different group of friends. Y'all, we think we're so smart that we can just be with bad influences and bad people and not become like them. And we're not that smart. We're not that strong. We're not that good. Like, we're not the people that can read Proverbs 13, 20 and go, well, you know, it says if I'm a companion of fools, I'll suffer harm, but um, that's not going to happen to me. Hey, y'all, newsflash. It will. And we'll still love you when it does because you've loved me when it happened to me, right? Like, we'll, we're still family, but, like, that's what the Bible says because that's what will actually happen. Which is why Psalm 1 says, that we're blessed if we don't walk with the wicked, stand with sinners, sit with mockers. See the progression, like I'm walking, and then I'm stopping and standing, and then I'm going to sit and listen to what you have to say. It's all about who's got influence over us. And this whole, se this whole series of toxins, what I want you to understand is this, that lots of times like, like when we detox physically, we, we try to cut ourselves off from external things, hoping it'll make our insides better. And it, it might for us, for the you know, 21 days, 30 days, whatever. But if we don't actually change the insides, then we'll just revert back to where we were. And it's the same way spiritually. I need to, I need to detox spiritually. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to change churches. Change a reading plan. And we change a lot of external things. It has a temporary impact. But the things that are making us toxic are in us. And so what we're going to do the next, like, next six weeks or so is we're going to talk about some I-N words. Like inadequacy. Insufficiency. We, we might even get bold and talk about insomnia. 
because sleep matters. Psalm 127 actually says that God grants sleep to those he loves. Raise your hand if he loves you. It, it doesn't mean if you didn't sleep well last night, he stopped loving you, right? Because we all have those nights, don't we? It might be we ate pizza too late. I don't know, y'all. But we all have those nights where we don't sleep well. But, but the point is, he loves us. And, be, and those that he loves, he wants them to sleep. These are all things that happen inside of us. And I just want you to get that. So this morning, the, the only I-N word I want you to think about is like influence and input. Like, what if we changed the input? What if we changed who we were with? Do y'all listen to K-Love? Okay. So, full disclosure, I've not always been the biggest K-Love fan. I think it's because I have maybe a touch of ADHD, and so their nine-song playlist gets, gets me. Um, sometimes Christian radio feels cheesy. There's a lot of things going on, but here's something I will say. When I've cut myself off from what we would say is cool music, and I only listen to worship music or like encouraging Christian music, something happens inside me. You're like, you get cheesier, maybe. But there's joy, there's peace. And the only thing that happened was I just changed, like, what I'm eating, the input. And I would, I would encourage you over the next couple of months to start asking God those, those questions. Hey, God, what, what am I around now that's impacting me? I, I've always, I'm sure that, the more I read about the brain, I'll figure out something that God has wired in there that makes people do this. But I've just never fully understood the whole, like, why are you listening to those sad songs? Because I'm sad. Oh, is it helping? <laughs> maybe, it, I don't know, maybe there's some catharsis, some cathartic, is that the word? Yeah, that helps. Like, may, there's got to be like an expression. But, like, at some point, like, you got to change even what you're receiving so that you can in a different place. The Bible talks a lot about renewing our minds, thinking about different things. What is the input? And here's why that matters. Because Psalm 1 says, we're blessed if we don't walk, stand, or sit with the wicked. And it goes on to say that if we delight in the law of the Lord, if we meditate on his law, change the input that person, verse 3, is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. And if I've lost you at this point, you sat up on the word prosper because we're all about getting some cash. That's not what he means. He means health and wholeness in every part of my life. And guess how John says we get that, 3 John. I don't know if you're supposed to say it's like 3 John chapter 1, verse 2, or just 3 John, verse 2, because there's only one chapter. But 
3 John 1, 2 says this. Dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you even as your soul is getting along. In the New American Standard, it uses the word prosper. Here's what it says. I pray that in all respects you may prosper and be in good health even as your soul prospers. So he's saying, like, as you prosper inside, it's going to reflect on the outside. Okay, Paul, so let me make sure I understand this right. So if... If I, in 2024, if I, de- if I make a decision, I determine to do the things that will prosper my soul. So I'm going to, like, read the Bible more. I'm going to do some Bible plans. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hang out with Christians. If I do the, I'll even come to church. If I do those things, what you're telling me is this is the year I get a new car. This is the year I get the raise. Maybe. Maybe you will get a new car. Maybe you will get a raise. Maybe you'll get a raise because as your soul prospers and you're not so anxious about all the things and you recover quicker from the times you feel fear and, and shame, maybe at your job your boss will recognize that you're the one who always seems to come up with a solution when everybody else is still going, what are we going to do? And your boss will say, like, I'd like to give you a raise. I'd like to put you in a position of greater authority. Did you prosper because you sowed a seed? You prospered because your soul is prospering. And as your soul prospers, your life prospers. We think that we can get prosperity from God by giving him like $10 and get a whole bunch of money back from him. That's not how it works, y'all. The reason that people sometimes like are blessed financially because they sow into God financially is because a healthy soul honors God with their finances. And if you're healthy on the inside, prospering in your soul, you will prosper in your life. That's called the prosperity gospel for real. You can put that out. You can cut that, and you can put that out on social media. I will preach that prosperity gospel till the day I die. Just make sure if you use that clip, you use all of it. Because I've been on mission trips, and I've been with people who have nothing, and they are prosperous. Because their soul is prospering. And even in lack, they don't see the lack. I've told you years ago about watching an interpreter have a fight in Portuguese with a lady whose house we were visiting. As she held a pack of crackers and pointed them towards me. And she would say something really intense in Portuguese. And then the... Interpreter said something really intense back, and I was just like, what's happening? And I found out later, like, she was so grateful that we had come to sit in her house to share Jesus with her and her people that she wanted to give us the pack of crackers. But it was the last food she had. And the interpreter was like, no, no. You will not give this man from America your last food. And she's like, yes, I will. Short story, long story made short, she did not give me the crackers. And that interpreter who was not a Christian received Jesus. There's something about when your soul is prospering like that woman's was that everything is seen as prosperity. Yeah, okay, it's my last crackers, but so what? He needs to have them. 
God will take care of me. That's a prospering life. And John says, as our soul prospers, we'll prosper. We, we want to reverse it. I'll read the right self-help book. I'll do all the right things so that maybe I'll feel better on the inside. And he's like, if you'll just, like, take care of the inside, I'll take care of the rest. So today is all about input and influence. What are we feeding our soul? And I would just submit that Psalm 126 is a prophetic word for the church in 2024. Do you know, at the beginning of that, it says, um, when the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, and we'll close with this, the, the Hebrew word for fortunes also can mean captives. You, you know anybody that's captive right now? <laughs> Are you captive right now? He says, when the Lord restored the captives of Zion, we were like those who dreamed. The Hebrew for dreamed can also mean we were like those whose health was restored. I want to ask you this question. It's not a hard question to answer. It might be a hard answer to admit. Go back with me to 2016 and then 2018 and then 2020, the election cycles, the pandemic. I would say that that was a bad shot in our culture. And I would say that an unhealthy church has taken way too long to recover from it. I'll also submit this, that what we've lived through, like 2024 might be like, hold my beer. I'm, y'all okay? <laughs> y'all are like, let's see how long it takes him to recover from that. I'm, I'm not a prophet. I think the, the next year we're going into, culturally, could be way worse than what we've experienced to this point. And I believe that what God wants is a healthy church that can experience the bad stuff and recover quicker from it. And the way that happens is we hide his word in our heart. Some of y'all are smarter than I am about cultural stuff and political stuff, so I'll just use this hypothetical example. I don't think it'll happen. What if civil war took place this year? We're going to be the Christians that go and get a bunch of food and stockpile it and get guns so we can shoot people that come to our house needing food? Uh, no, we would never do that. We're just going to be the church that splits because we can't have conversation anymore without yelling? Been there, done that. Or are we going to be the people that can experience the same bad stuff the culture experiences and then the culture looks at us and says, wait, 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 wait. Why aren't you still jacked up about that? Well, well, because 
We were like those whose health was restored, and our mouths were filled with laughter. Our tongues have joy. And it's the, it's the way we recover from the bad that makes the nation say the Lord has done great things for them. When's the last time you had a non-Christian walk up to you and say, I've been watching your life, and <laughs> the Lord is doing great things for you? Non-Christians don't even talk to Christians. This will be the year that we might experience worse things than we've ever experienced, but church, the church should recover quicker from it because this is a year of health. God wants you and me to be healthy in our spirit, in our soul, in our mind, in our emotions. He wants us healthy so that we can recover quicker. Wendy and I said this so many times during, what, what do we even affectionately call the four years or five years that we went through? But we would say so many times, like, seriously? Like, if we're going to fight over, again, I, I, I'm, I'm, I don't even know, I should just stop. Because I don't want to trigger people with words. But, y'all, the church almost lost their salvation. I mean the church in America, not just our church. But the church in America almost lost its salvation over fabric. Fabric, y'all. And we'd be like, how, how are we going to handle people walking in with guns telling us they'll shoot us if we don't deny Jesus? We're going to, like, yell about that, too, when people don't have the right answer. I mean, we don't even, we haven't even touched persecution yet. We've touched problems, and they have touched us. And I say that with humility as someone who lost a family member to COVID. We've been touched by problems and pain, y'all. I, I know people in other countries that are persecuted for their faith. That ain't us yet. Yet. I think it's probably coming, and I think our job as leaders is to prepare the people of God for that moment. But the way we prepare is what's going inside us, right? I, I, I really intentionally did not want to mention the Stallings family today. But... Man, I'm just seeing the post about the, the fish camp and their post about it to be faithful in affliction. I was like, that's it. That's the answer right there. Not, well, if you love Jesus enough, that bad stuff won't touch you. It will touch you. But what will we say in response? And the healthy believer says, I can still have joy, even in the trouble. And I will recover quicker because of it. Anyway, I know, but we just, I just preached a whole long message on toxins 
And here's how we're going to end it. I, I feel like I should call you to repentance, but I just feel like there's a holy moment on the Stallings family. Can we pray for them? By the way, how many in this, how many in here uh, employed work at the fish camp? Jay's, yeah, there's, there's some of y'all here. Um, we, let's just pray. Yeah. And then I, this, this will be our closing prayer. Is that okay? Some of y'all are like, that's the weirdest way to end a service. It's not, y'all. We bear one another's burdens. This is what we do. And, I, and I'll tell you this. There's not anything more holy than watching believers suffer well. And that's exactly what we see in the Stallings family. And it's going to impact this community. They've, they've, had a, they've already had a huge impact in this community, I know. But like going forward, and that's what we want to pray right now. That God, you would surround this family. That you would be their strength. And, and even as we watch them trust you wait for you, work through all the things as we watch them recover from a bad shot, I pray that it would, it would spark something in your church. It would spark something in our church. I pray that you would be the provision that they need, that you would give them creativity and ideas that that. What comes next would be such a beautiful picture of your provision and your grace and your glory that everyone who steps foot into what is rebuilt would be the ones that say, the Lord has done great things for you. And that all they would be able to say in response is, he has done great things for us. And that that would be the door to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. We started this whole service talking about tables and communion and all the things, and I, I'm just so thankful for a place in our county where people come and sit and eat, and I know that they're fed not only food, but prayers of people who love you and want to see people in relationship with Jesus. And so we as a body lift them up just like I know they have done for us. I pray now, God, over all of us in this room that 2024 would be a year that is marked by health, not a year that is free of problems because sometimes, God, that's actually what helps us be healthy. It's what reveals what you've done inside of us. I pray that you would give us the ability to recover well, that we would not be the people who years from today are still stuck. But we would be the ones who have returned to joy. And I pray over this house that 2024 would mark the gathering with joy and laughter. With the hope of restoration. With testimonies of captives being set free. 
with believers gathering together in healthy ways and smiling because of it. We invite you to invade this place. Holy Spirit, come. In Jesus' name, amen.